Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. In this episode, I'm so excited for y'all to meet Socorro Socorreynoso. She's a licensed clinical social worker. And Soko is short for Socorro, the Spanish word which means I help. Her mother is black and her father is Mexican. She grew up in Chino and graduated with a BA in psychology from Claremont McKinney College. And she received her MSW from UC Berkeley. Since 2010, she has been helping adults and children move through emotional blocks. Soko's area of focus in therapy is in helping people overcome symptoms of depression and or anxiety by making small changes in thinking that can drastically improve lives. She's especially passionate about helping people of color see that therapy isn't a big or scary thing. Lately, she's found herself most excited about helping women uncover their magic and understand their true power. It's exhilarating, she says. I can't wait to interview her and y'all get to meet her. Her Instagram account is Your Favorite Therapist. And here we go, grab a pen. She talks all about love with us. I'm so excited for y'all to meet my next guest I'm interviewing. She's one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. And more than that, she's a human who's doing amazing things in the world that I've been admiring from afar. I'm so excited for y'all to get to meet her. Her name is, she's a licensed psychotherapist based in Los Angeles. And her name is Socorro Reynoso. And she goes by Soco which means I help in Spanish, I think is so, so beautiful. Welcome. Can you introduce yourself and share with folks what you do and your services out in LA? Yes, thank you for having me, Adit. It's a pleasure to connect with you this way. I operate a therapy clinic. It's called Soko Ray Therapy, based in Inglewood. There's myself, we have another LCSW, and we have three ACSWs and one AMFT, so those are associate therapists. We are here in Inglewood because we know who lives in Inglewood and we know who needs our services and we're very loud about who we want to serve. It is individuals of color and it is the black community. We got into this because we're all excited about it naturally and that was the thing that drew us all together and we have been very successful and it feels really good to have business success, personal success, professional success and to have all of that overlap with other people like breaking free of bondage and just like realizing their true potential. So it's been a beautiful process. It's been very scary. It's grown me and it continues to grow me and I'm here for all of it, the scary part and the joyous parts. And yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here with you. Me too. I started to want to explore mental health as a social justice issue and really starting to break out of the institutionalized way I've been taught about mental health. And so as I started to look for other therapists in the online world doing the same thing and just starting to break free from 
how we were kind of conditioned to learn what mental health is and really beginning to see it as a social justice issue. And I found your account at, and so you might all find her on Instagram at your favorite therapist. And your tagline is what got me. And I, and it gets many folks also just like, that's my girl. You picked the perfect tagline that not all therapists are old and white. And I think there was something rich to that that spoke to me as a, also a woman from the Middle East, immigrant to this country. Like I been taught what therapy is supposed to look like. And it's not that it's really for everyone and anyone and in people of color, for folks who are immigrants to this country. I mean, I think it's so important that you really kind of in that tagline broke that barrier down. I'm so glad it did too. I, I, like I told you, I was scared to put it up, but it's what, it's what I think needed to be said in order for people to be like, oh, maybe I'll do it then. So if it's people who look like me and people who I normally talk to anyway, this, this breaks down one barrier. This gets me one step closer to receiving services. And we're not saying, we don't think that people are crazy and we think that people will probably be okay without us, but we know what therapy has done for us and that it takes your shit to the next level. And so that's what we want to help people do. It's for everybody. And we all are better when we do the work on ourselves. Yes, absolutely. But today's topic, I'm really excited. It's juicy. We chatted a little bit about it and we're just going to flow with it. But the topic of love, can you share a little bit about what that topic means for you? Well, love is what brought my ass into therapy over and over and over again. And uh, primarily romantic love, rooting from my parents' divorce when I was 14 and me having like a lot of dysfunction in my relationships as a 20 year old, early 20s, and not realizing how much was hinged on the past. And then I feel like love was the thing that like broke me down. It broke my heart a few times and allowed me to really see what, what happens when my heart breaks. I tell my clients, when your heart breaks, it's a perfect opportunity to look at all the parts of yourself because you're shattered. You're on the ground and you can finally see what all is there. And so I feel... I'm so grateful for my process in therapy to get to this point. I feel like I've become a really, I've become a, a big critical thinker and that is required for all things and also in love. And I feel especially prepared and able and competent to help my clients navigate through love. And I know Adit, you see it too. There will be individuals. I don't know if you do couples. Sometimes I, I'll take a couple here and there. They're a lot of work. I'm not sure. I'm not always with it. But I'll see a couple and there's some couples where it's like immediately apparent that this is not going to work. Either one or both don't have the energy or passion that it requires to overcome the issues that come with love or whatever. And then you'll see other clients where they are like, it'll be some jacked up shit that happened in their relationship, but you can see and feel their commitment to one another. And you're like, okay, I can help you guys. I see it. I know it. I'll have clients who come to me before they get married and they'll talk to me a little bit about their jitters and we'll work through it. And, you know, we don't have as much time as we need to prepare usually, but I've seen them transition from being worried to being married to regretting their decision to get married. And then, then that's the hard part. And so I don't want to discourage people from marriage, but I want to encourage people to take the decision very seriously and to really work on themselves in a way that they can be best suited to love and be loved. It's a lot of work. Yes, it is. <laughs> You're married. That's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the beginning stages, we have our best foot forward and then life happens. Like for us, my husband was with me 
in like the darkest time of my life where I lost my sister to breast cancer and then I lost my dad and it was like back to back losses. And he has already his own, he's lost both his parents by 22. Wow. So early on we had a whole wedding we were planning while I was in the middle of my grief and planning a wedding like his parents are around and so it was like all this emotional stuff. And just because you're a therapist, that was the other thing about me wanting to talk about this with you too, is like, we're human too. And so I took myself to therapy because I love what you said, like love broke your heart and to go and seek support because there's nothing wrong with you, but you're a human having that experience, but we feel like something's wrong with us mm-hmm. and that we're broken and that we can't fix it. Yes. Um, all of that. And that, I think that feeling of brokenness, what you said is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with us. And I think as, as soon as we can let go of that shame and stigma and just understand that love is a process, each person you meet may not be your forever, but they will be something, they will give you something, gift you with something and you will learn. So I think the hardest part about love is, yeah, is thinking something might be wrong with you if it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work over and over again. Yeah. I had a client recently come in and they have had multiple relationships that have not turned into marriage, which many people will classify as failing. I don't. And at this point, that person is interested in knowing if they're, if they're ever able to love, if they're even lovable. And they found themselves in a relationship now where they, some instance came up that made them want to knee jerk and say like, fuck it, I'm out. And they're like, wait, I have to actually do this differently. I have to play with this a little bit. And so in session, what we've been kind of like wrestling with or learning how to balance is fear and hope. How do you hold space for both of those things? It's really interesting just to hear someone's journey through managing that. Like we will have one thing happen. I had another client who's like, um, they moved in with their partner and their partner bought a piece for the house and they filled the entire piece with all of their belongings and didn't make room for the partners. And the partner's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about this. How invested do you feel your partner is? Not that invested. Okay, so when you saw that thing be filled with their stuff and not yours, that was one more drop in the bucket of you collecting evidence that they're not that invested. What if instead you had a conversation with yourself first about how true this is how big you want to make this. And then perhaps after you've sifted through that, have a conversation with your partner about your insecurity. Sometimes we, we, we have these insecurities, we're ashamed to share them. And so they just grow. And then what happens is your partner doesn't know that it's happening for you, doesn't have space to talk to you about it. They keep living their life, not knowing that they, a shift is needed. And then eventually you convince yourself that they don't want you and then you're out. And it's like, ah, but maybe we could have made this work you know, I see clients too for couples therapy and you could see it. There's a level of hope that you can see and both partners being invested in doing the work internally on themselves and being curious about what is it that I'm co-creating in this experience with this person. And if I'm willing to pause and check how I'm co-creating this experience, then we're able to really kind of work through that. But when it's only one way, and we're not expressing our needs, we're not saying what's going on, that's where it can get really like tricky. And that's what happened for me and my husband when I was mourning. I mean, one morning we had a juicer and we were like juicing celery, you know, and the celery, the carrot weren't juicing correctly. And I was like, 
fuck the carrot. I don't even want juice. I don't want the juice. Fuck it. And I walk out and he's like, oh, are you sure this is about the juice? I'm like, yes, I'm mad at the juice. <laughs> and then it took some time. But I was like, ooh, I got to go to therapy. Like, I'm getting mm. mad at the juicer and then taking it out on the people closest to you, which ultimately you know, him and I live yeah. together. And until I went and really checked what that was about for me, and I was able then to bring it in the relationship in a way that we could repair and work through it. But it does take a level of vulnerability, which is so mm-hmm. scary. And I did come back and say, you know what? You were right. It wasn't about the juicer. It was about the loss. And like, you and the juicer are the easiest things for me to displace my anger on right yes. now. <laughs> yes. It's scary terrain to self-reflect and say, I am angry about something that I'm not sure I'm angry about. I'm not sure what it is. I need to do some digging. I need to accept that this is an issue right now. It won't be one forever. I need to ask really hard questions like what, where else am I being angry and how else do I need to shift? Like what other work is required of me? Damn it. Like I thought I was finally done with my healing journey. Nope. Sorry. Never ends. This happened last week. Little self-disclosure. My lover was on my lap and I'm, I'm normally very blatant and blunt. And I didn't notice that sometimes I don't. He sees me very well. He sees me better than I see myself. And I told him that too on Friday. I was like, you know why I'm in this, right? Because you see, you help me see myself. I need that. So he's laying on my lap and he's like, you know, I, I said something where he's like, give me a kiss. And I gave him a kiss. And it was because I was so open and he loved that. And then I said, aren't I always open? And he said, no, there are times where you are not. And I feel disconnected. And I'm like, oh shit, didn't know that. Thank you for the feedback. Second, can you let me know when that happens again so I can become more aware? And third, I said, let's talk about intimacy and transparency and how I I proposed to him that it's not just the job of the sharer, it's also the job of the listener to hold the safe space so that truths can be shared. And I told him, I said, I think sometimes I don't share with you because I'm afraid you are going to nitpick or say that I said I chose a wrong word or whatever. So I think that the intimacy is, it's a scary place, but it becomes less scary when our partner we know is equipped to receive. And I feel like that's why therapy is so fucking helpful is because when you've worked through yourself and when you've given enough light and time to your own shadows and learn to love yourself through that, you have more capacity to love someone else through theirs. So me saying something that might piss him off or he might think is wrong or whatever, he'll take and he'll hold, he'll talk to me about it, and he won't make that mean anything about me. And if I know that the mistakes I make won't define me in his eyes, I feel like I can really be who I am. And when I am who I am, goddamn, I'm great. And I'm so lovable. And when I let him be him, we're like, we're the best thing ever. It blows my mind. But that, I mean, I'm 36. He's older than me. It's taken us a lot of years. So it's not easy. Yeah. I love that you're saying this because this topic, it's so, so important. It can really like the quality of life. Not only is it whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, but that love, even with yourself, like I've gotten to through therapy, through looking at my shadows, through being even in relationship and having love between like this unconditional love with friends, with family, with my husband, and just seeing like as I gotten to know what I needed, 
I got to be able to ask for what I needed that holding space to look like, even though I didn't know exactly what it was, but it was like, I need you not to be defensive. Like when I bring in what I'm going through, it invalidates then my experience. So here's how best you can support me. And that's gotten us a lot further in our relationship and the same vulnerability with friends. Right. I love that. I love that you extended it to not only your romantic relationship, but the relationships you have with friends. Because I think that we overlook the importance of friendship in the pie. If this is like your pie chart of love, the capacity you have to love, there's so much more that fills it than romantic love. That's one component, but there's friendship, right? There's family, there's colleagues, coworkers, whatever. There's all these other places where we have the ability to practice our love, right? How do we want it to look? As I learned, I learned from my mother, unconditional love. So grateful for that. And then you extend it to your lover and you can also extend it to your friend's lovers and practice it and practice communication through disrespectful situations or seemingly disrespectful. And just being able to like talk through things and forgive and practice letting go. It's okay to let go too. I did something, this is, sorry, this is not my therapy session, but I feel like I do have some gems to share in my personal life, right? Because I feel like as a therapist, I'm like super duper aware and always like hypervigilant to what's going on. And so I feel like it's fun to be a therapist and dissect my own love. Texting last night and, you know, things go wrong on text sometimes. There's not enough room for communication he misinterpreted something. I tried to clarify. I was between sessions and I was like, I just can't get to this right now. And after my night ended, I saw six clients yesterday and I said, Hey, thank you for the thoughtful text. I'm so grateful you put so much time into it. I am a little bit overwhelmed with the day and I need some time to digest this text. Can we talk about how our days went and talk about this issue later? Yes. And it's like, Oh, I never thought of 36 again, never thought of that as an option. Like we actually don't have to hash out this issue in order to keep going. I'm doing it with friends now too. And it's like, oh wow, who would have thought you can actually like put things on pause and keep the the ball rolling. I think that people would be less shattered by romantic relationships, not turning into marriages if they put as much weight and importance on the same skills and the same relationship building in their friendships and in their family ships that we make love be so big that it overwhelms us. I think we put more pressure on it than we need to. And as a result, we sometimes don't operate at our full capacity because we're making it be this thing. And it's marriage has been defined. I don't personally, like, I don't need to be married. I don't want to be married because I've seen it used as a marker for success. And I'm not with that. I know too many people who are divorced or have never been married or been married five times who are incredibly dynamic. And I, I'm hesitant to always make that the marker. And when you make that the marker for success, when you don't meet it, what does that mean? That your life is a failure? That can't be possible. So I'm really about challenging people to like really think outside of this concept of love and marriage that we've created and really practice good skills with everyone, including their lovers. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, that just goes again to show like when we're institutionalized and we begin to see how we're conditioned to believe certain ways of life and markers for success, love is such a big one. If we don't kind of question it, we don't reevaluate what it actually means to us as an individual. 
then we get to unlearn whatever beliefs we don't want to have and relearn the ones that really are true for ourselves and begin to live life through that way. It's like this two-folded where it's, that is hard work to really kind of look at that. But then there's like kind of this like almost climax. You get to that point. And then once you get there and you see it, you're like, ah, there's a sense of freedom. Do you feel like that was true for you when you realize like, oh, I don't, I don't need to be married to show a marker for success. Like that's not true for Soko. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it was like a moment in time. I remember I was in San Francisco drinking wine with my girlfriends and I was just like, I've been so consumed with finding a partner that I haven't realized all of the goodness is actually right here around me. And it was, it was my moment. And it, it took like six years of intensive therapy to get to that point where in, in therapy, what I was doing was just like uncovering why I thought I needed relationship to feel whole. And in doing so, uncovering how whole I already am. Whole is not having lack, right? Like I can say I don't have a husband, but I can say I have bountiful friendships and family relationships that surpass anything I could, I've ever dreamed of having and just like shifting the focus. But yeah, I think it really has come with critically thinking about what works for you through careful thought and deliberation and reading and talking and serving. Like I became, I was a researcher of people. Every time I would look at women, do they have a ring on a man? Do they have a ring on and study and pull and see what they had and what they didn't have or whatever. Talk to enough married people who are miserable to be like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to sign up to get this ring. So I look like I'm successful when I'm in fact miserable. Fuck that. Never. I started practicing at one point dating without telling people that I was dating. Cause you know, as women, it's part of our culture, I think, to like share with your girlfriends and everyone wants to know about it. And it starts to become what people see as the most interesting thing about you. And I feel like that's us short selling ourselves. There's like so much more to our person than how we are in relationship romantically. And so I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to date and not tell anyone. And it was the most beautiful process to have my successes be mine and my failures be mine. And it was just shared between me and that person. It took a lot of the pressure off and I realized, okay, when I live for me and only me and in this loving relationship, it makes it so much more easy to navigate. I felt free. I feel like the decisions were informed by me and me only. If I didn't do well, it was because it was what I wanted to do and it didn't work out. It wasn't because someone else was informing me or it wasn't for anyone else. Unfortunately, I do have to deal with my, the Mexican side of my family is very much like, why aren't you married? Still, I still have to buck up against systems that question. But for the most part, that has been a lot, like very relieving for me. And I, I encourage my clients, you know, when they come in, we run experiments. Sometimes I tell all my clients, your life is an experiment and I'm going to help you run tests. Here's one. Okay. You got this new girlfriend. Don't tell anyone about her for, for a month. Just try it. Just see what it's like to just live and be with her and you and people are enjoying it. So, so far, so good. It's worked out. You can't do that forever. I love that though. There's a sense of like, almost like a piece yes. that comes with just like getting to develop that trust with yourself mm-hmm. and getting to really build that relationship with yourself in that moment of like silence. It's like this pause to be like, what, what, what do I need in this? What what's working for me? What's not working for me? And there aren't additional filters kind of yes. clouding that judgment. And in that moment, what a beautiful way to build that relationship with self and like with trust self. with self. That's a good spin on it. I didn't think about it that way, that that's exactly what you're doing. You're learning how to trust yourself. 
Ooh, oh, I just got goosebumps, girl. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm going to credit to Adit. <laughs> Thank you for that. I love gems like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I want people to live lovingly without fear and to challenge themselves to check in with, am I doing this out of fear or am I doing this because it's me? And to be guided by themselves rather than fear. I feel like a lot of people avoid love because they're afraid of being uprooted of their life. And we all, I think, I think we all, I know I have had multiple breakups where I've lost my appetite, my ability to sleep, like my ability to be a human. The, the functions that keep me alive were stripped from me. And that's a scary place to be in. And so it's very traumatic and you don't want to ever be there again. But I've had probably four very difficult breakups since age 14 where each time I manage to make it out and each time I end up being okay. And each time I learn about myself and each time I learn about someone else and it's like, that's not a loss. And so I would like for people to consider love, not as a risky endeavor, but as an opportunity to grow. And again, to let go of that need to like maintain a relationship to mean it's successful. Success to me is like, is there growth? Did you practice something new? Is your tool belt bigger? Okay, then let's roll with it. And I see fear also driving people to get married. I see people driven to marriage to avoid like their partner leaving them because of ultimatums. I've seen men think that marriage will prevent them from being a dog. I've seen men classify themselves as dogs. Um, I've seen women classify men as dogs because they don't have uh, haven't exercised the, I guess, prowess in only having sex with their partner. And I, I would like to also like challenge those notions as well. I was that girl when I was 26 calling, making my boyfriend out to be a dog because he cheated on me. And now that I'm 36, I'm like, you weren't a dog. You were never a dog. And actually I was trying to shame you into submission to what I thought meant I was enough. That's not fair. I didn't do my work. And so I made you feel like you were shit. No. So when I hear men say I'm a dog, I'm like, cut that vocabulary out. Never again will you refer to yourself as a dog because you're not one. You're a person with instincts. There are attractive women in the world and you want to score. Like that is okay. Now where you need to build in is honesty and transparency with your partner. And I think we as women need to do our work so that we allow for that and that we don't make them stepping outside of the relationship mean that we are not enough, mean that they don't love us. It's very interesting. I, I, and you know, I'm, I, I'm always in my head about this stuff. I'm like, not always, that's an overstatement, but it's like, we, we allow parents to have more than one child and we don't say that they, that you can't possibly love two children. Why do we define that differently in relationship, romantic relationship? I'm real curious. And I know there's like all these different layers, but I challenge people to kind of like think outside of the box, think about what works for you, what's realistic for you and your humanity, how, how things will work best for you. And I think you hit the nail on it. It's like removing that shame in either direction and like really evaluating again, like what do you need? What makes you happy? Where are you not settling? Mm. And then removing the shame. Like once that shame is lifted, people begin to live the most free life. But like that shame, that cycle, it really can just be so, puts you in a cage it puts you in a cage and it, it, it has you put others in a cage and we like ripple the traumatic effects of shame. 
Yeah. And you know, that's okay. You're coming with some stuff too, because I've never thought about freedom as being living in absence of shame, but that's actually, as I reflect, I'm like, that's exactly what that is. Oh my God, that's a quote right there. Yes. <laughs> quote yourself. I just restated what you said. That was beautiful. Yeah. Undoing shame. And you know, as you know, that's a lot of what happens in the therapy space. We're letting go of like, don't call your, don't talk to yourself like that. Like, nah, how is this working for you? This isn't helping you or anyone around you. Yeah. You know, we've been doing mental health and we're in therapy and we know we're therapists, we've gone to therapy, but I'm excited that people can access this online world and get to see more about inner child work and get to see about the narratives growing up and what you were taught and now begin to kind of go on a self journey and not to say that online replaces one-on-one work and therapy because it does not, but it begins to give access to what maybe 20 years ago, people didn't have access to. And now you can kind of YouTube your favorite therapist. You can go at your favorite therapist Instagram page and see (laughs) what they're up to and what they're talking about and get to just start the conversation. And when you start feeling that little ting inside yourself, like, huh, huh, what they're talking about is starting to make me question how I've been living my life. That right there is your door. Yes. Absolutely. You said it. I feel like we're so lucky. And those who are being born, you know, in this year on have so much more access than we did. The language is changing. I hear younger kids talking. I'm like, what, you know about emotional resilience? Like, how is that? You know what a coping skill is? I didn't learn that till I was 30. It's beautiful. <laughs> but and you're right. You do enough of it. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm awake now. I'm, I'm moving toward that direction. And therapy, I don't believe therapy will ever be able to be replaced that one-on-one intensive self-reflection and self-understanding will take whatever you've learned to another level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It deepens it so much more. It just enhances and like you get to hear yourself out loud. If you're coming into this field to give people advice, then leave. Preach. (laughs) You mean I don't don't give advice? Mm. That's what excites me in doing the work is like, holding space for someone to evaluate their own life, what they need without my own judgment or advice going into it. And that they know ultimately like that empowerment of like self and you get to do and make the decisions in your life and reflect what, like, let's go through all the avenues. Yeah. If you go with that decision, what happens? If you go, how does that make you feel in your body and starting to get to know yourself? That has been the most transformative work. I think therapy can provide on that one-on-one space. Yeah. Figuring out what works for you with a trained guide. Yes. Asking the right questions, which is a challenge. Cause sometimes I do want to say like, it's not going to work, cut it. Right. But it's like, no, 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 this has to be their decision. What question can I ask to get you to that point? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And my clients at this point, they're like, okay, I know you're not going to tell me what to do, but like, what would you think? <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, fun. it's fun to throw the question back and yeah. they always answer it. And I'm like, that's your answer. And they're like, shit, you're right. I did. All right. Well, that was easy. Yeah. So what would you say, Soko? I have a, a few you know, women that I've been seeing and just starting to see a common thread, like in this time, this, right, we're like in a pandemic. So dating looks different. You know, there are women who are single and really like the topic of love, like they're in their thirties, they're in their late thirties. For some of them, they want to have a family. They want to have kids. What have you, like, how do you define love for someone who is in the middle of this pandemic and trying to date and look for love like what is what does that look like challenged to be expansive 
and break borders in our thinking about love. I think, again, we need to make it bigger than romantic. B, I think we need to ask ourselves ourselves some questions. And these may sound morbid, and I don't mean for them to, but it helps to think about worst case, I think. So you may, these women who are wanting children and or husbands, I have two questions. I have, um, how would you find happiness if you found out you were unable to bear children? And how would you find happiness if you married and your partner died or divorced you? These things can happen. And we have to remember that our feelings, our experience of life is ours and ours to manage and navigate. And we may not be these women or me, I may not be 60 until I decide I want to get married or whatever. How do I want to reflect back on my life and look at it? Do I want to see those years spent as miserable and waiting or do I want them to be wonderful and creative and bountiful and I opt for the latter because why not if I'm gonna wait why not make it great why not make myself I see myself as like the lotto and I challenge these women to do the same like bitch if no one ain't cashing out that's your value is increasing okay someone will hit it I'm not gonna say they're gonna hit it and stay forever I said hit it. I mean hit the jackpot, not hit that. No, you but they might hit it too. Anyway, like, the jackpot is for you. Your goodness, your building of yourself up, you're finding joy. That's for your life. Not, and if someone else taps into that, great. But remember that you're a gift. Your gift to be experienced and cherished. And if you maintain that mindset, you will feel cherished. And I think that's the feeling we're going after. We want to feel like we're lovable. And I think a lot of women and men mean a, make a ring on their finger mean that they're lovable. And it's like, scratch that. No, you're lovable because you are and you're worthy. And it's your job to find out what's really lovable about you so that you stop thinking you need this other thing to make you feel whole and to make you feel full. I just want to fall out of my chair right now. Like that is so, so deep because life is so unpredictable. I mean, we just saw, right. Like from three months ago to where we're at today, like, you know, who would have thought. And so when you said, when we live in that state of I'll be happy when, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't go according to my plan a, then I I'm miserable. I love what, how you asked the question and how you challenge the thought of love. Like how can you be happy in the absence of like, maybe you aren't going to bear children in this exact way that you thought in plan a mm-hmm. what would that look like how can you still have happy yep what would can you start imagining that for yourself and what would that look like Ooh, you give me chills yeah because <laughs> yeah. we have to we're going to be for maybe not in love but in some domain of our life we are not going to get it the way we thought we were supposed to get it right. and we're gonna have to figure out do we want to be miserable or not so when you imagine like your life and i'll be happy when and when, when i get married then this well, what happens if, like you said, that person catches cancer? I mean, yeah. those are real things that happen. I mean, my sister was only 36, the age I am now, and her son was 15. He was still a junior in high school. She didn't get to grad, you know, see him graduate high school, and now he's graduating college this weekend. So, yeah. you know, it's like you have to start beginning. I know it's it's really hard, but like I love what you said. You have to just begin to find happy in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's our challenge. It's our charge. Yeah. So where can people find you, find your services? 
So I'm on Instagram at your favorite therapist as well. We're online. SoCoRay.com. That's S like Sam, O C like cat, O R E like Edward Y.com. Soko, it was so, so wonderful having you on the show. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for having me, Adi, and I feel the same. I'd gladly come back. Uh, If I have to leave the listeners with anything, I would say to remember that love, romantic love, is for you and your partner. And try your best to live it between the two of you and for the two of you and see what happens. I'm almost positive you'll notice some magic. So many quotes from this episode. Thank you so much for your time and your work in the world. So go. Thank you for having me. 